transaction being processed that will give her the $100 worth of Bitcoin. It has not been confirmed by miners into the ledger, but it it is an uncancelable transaction. So they're like, hey, your money's here. Hmm. She couldn't I'm spend it yet, though. So it's just like you know, when I go online and look at my, like, go on my Chase Bank application, it says pending transaction. Yes, exactly. And the Bitcoin blockchain is secure enough that before it is authorized and verified that you have this money to send to her, it's so secure that they, before they verify it, give her the thumbs up, here's your money. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Hey everyone, it's your brilliant buddy Chad here. Thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying it so far. We sure had fun recording this and are so happy to share it. First, I want to thank everyone for the outpouring of support so far. It's so encouraging. In particular, Ricky and Jody Harris, Thursday. Thank you all for commenting and engaging on Facebook. Marina, Panda, Josh for emailing in. Thank y'all so much. I'm going to keep this short. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, please email us, mybrilliantbuddies at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, head on over to Facebook and give us a like and a follow. This space here with me and you in between the episode, it's a work in progress, just like everything else. We're very grateful and excited to be on this ride together. Thanks for being here. Now, back to my brilliant buddies. So, um, now I can see the receipt of the transaction, and there's actually a transaction ID. And we could go to a block explorer, which is essentially a website that lets you see what's going on on the Bitcoin blockchain. Does it visualize? Or? It, it does visualize, and we could basically see it in the list of unprocessed transactions, where it is, and when it's going to get processed. And then once it's processed, we, there will be a record of it forever on the Bitcoin blockchain. You can follow around a, a bit going through nodes on the chain point of view? It's not, I, it, shows, it shows basically how many pending transactions there are based on the fee. And sure. uh, you can see where I, where I stack in the pending transactions based on fee. So it's like where I am in the queue. Yeah. How are you identified? Are you what was that? Isn't it true that you can track an individual Bitcoin as it moves through the blockchain? And that there are like um, blacklisted coins from the dark web and stuff like that? Yeah, so what I've done is I sent Pam some Bitcoin. What We could trace the history of that Bitcoin throughout the blockchain because right now my transaction to Pam is going to get recorded on the blockchain. We could see where you could trace it back to me, and then you could trace it back to the person who sent it to me, and trace it back basically until the moment that it was mined. So what is possible, and there are some, some companies doing this, chain analysis is one. You can create basically analytics on the blockchain and, and watch these transactions, put them together. If if ever there's a known tax thief or murderer that's gotten Bitcoin, you can see where that Bitcoin came from and where it went. And what they are trying to do is build blacklists to stop that Bitcoin from being sent. Now, it cannot be stopped on the Bitcoin network at all, but 
that the government can like try and put pressure on exchanges to be like don't let this person cat don't let bitcoin that originated from this address cash out into dollars or uh don't accept it but can't that person send it to uh someone who holds ethereum and turn their bitcoin into ethereum and now black i guess right exactly i mean that that is like what can happen yes yeah but the the uh that's the thing about centralization and wallets like um coinbase and these other um where you don't actually own your currency and they can i i've been told that coinbase rejects transactions that are suspected of money laundering which can mean that like if your Bitcoin came from someone. You know, I bought it from a stranger on the internet, and it turns out that they got it in a murder-for-hire deal on the dark web, or they got it through right. ransomware, and now Coinbase won't let me accept it and receive what I paid for. Correct. Um, but I do think it's important to call out, I would not call Coinbase a wallet, in that when you use Coinbase, you are not directly interfacing with the blockchain itself. When you use coinbase you are inter interfacing with coinbase's uh own database like yeah so they're a custodian or or a bank they, they hold bitcoin on your behalf whereas when you're using a, one of these wallets like a real wallet you it's your bitcoin and and nobody can fuck with it sorry malcolm's grandparents mm -hmm. that's all right no so it's okay curse it curse currently takes a large corporation to do so but if all bitcoin transactions are publicly visible What's to stop hackers or like someone with bad intentions from tracking, you know, where my money is spent and finding out who I am and where I live and such like that? If Bitcoin were to be used for like credit cards, I'm spending it at every gas station within five miles of my house. You know, like what what is to stop people from, or even the way Facebook tracks your data and sells it to the highest bidder? So there's a there's a few things. One is uh, using good address hygiene. What oh, you oh, what you don't want to do is use the okay. same address over and over again uh, to receive Bitcoin. Because what, is, what does that even what does that mean? Good address hygiene, like the I, I okay. So what is that like for Pam right now with a yeah. wallet she just downloaded? Is it here at like, Mutiny Radio? <laughs> so Pam's wallet is going to handle this for her. When she hit receive, it generated an address for me to send that Bitcoin to. When she hits receive the second time, it's going to generate a new address. There's no way to um, to uh, for these big companies to know that the two addresses are both Pam. So right there, she's already gone a big step in, in making it harder for them to track her. And if you had one of those paper wallets where you had your own address written down on paper, you would have to change your address every so often? Correct, yeah. And this is big on, um, on the Internet. Uh, an easy way to get Bitcoin is be like, hey, I'm on the Internet. Send Bitcoin here if you want to support me. Those people are pretty easily identifiable. That's not a best practice, and I wouldn't recommend doing that. So I don't want to use this and say, hey, you want to give money to Mutiny Radio? Use my... I don't want to, like, publicize my little QR code and put it everywhere and say, give Mutiny Radio money. Put it... Give me Bitcoin. Well, like, you can, here. but then everyone would be able to basically check that address on the blockchain, know how much money has been given to you so to support you. Ah. Uh. Could, um, and watch where you spend it also. Huh. If you spend it on another address like that, like 
hey, I'm the lobster shack, send my Bitcoin here. And you do that a lot. They'd be like, oh, Pam loves lobster. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder, Pam, for promoting Mutiny Radio, she say she, you said it's good hygiene that's really important. Can she generate a new address once a week and just change this like sign? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's not a matter of not soliciting the QR code. It's just a matter of clicking refresh on the security user interface of it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And even if it is a new address and, and it isn't connected to you by uh, spies, it is connected by your private key. So your wallet will still know it's all yours and it'll show you an aggregated view of all the Bitcoin that you've earned. Neat. Is there a difference between, do you have a private key right now? Does she need a public key? So a private, a public key is actually generated out of the private key. So by having a private key, she has a public key. And then the public key is used to generate the addresses. And basically all the addresses are is the address says Bitcoin at this address can be released or sent out of this address by the owner of the private key that corresponds with this public key. Okay. And I know that's a it's a word salad, and that's why we just try and make it simple and make simple apps for you. This was use. pretty simple. I mean, I that was super quick. We did that in 10 minutes, like uh, setting it up. And the transaction went through. You got your money in instantaneously. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. It's yeah. great. So uh, another thing um, to help privacy is it's a new technology. It's just been built. Starting in 2017, and it's finally starting to gain adoption, is called the Lightning Network. The Lightning Network, when you, we talked about sending Bitcoin peer-to-peer um, -peer on the blockchain and how it takes like that 10, 20 minutes, and that's because it needs to get mined directly into the blockchain. I just bought Bitcoin. The, the Lightning Network enables you to s send transactions that don't need to be resolved on the bitcoin uh that don't need to be resolved on the blockchain so you can actually send millions of transactions and they settle instantly um, i'm not going to talk about how the lightning network works today um but it is the it is the cutting edge of bitcoin and and it is what's enabling wide-scale adoption like the country of el salvador has legalized bitcoin <clears throat> they have made themselves a fully not a fully, but a Bitcoin nation. Um, and, and they couldn't afford the blockchain fees or, or like waiting 10 minutes. And the reason that they're able to do this is because th they are using the Lightning Network almost exclusively. Huh. And the way things are going to work is you'll save on the Bitcoin blockchain. Like if you have thousands of dollars, you would keep most of that on the blockchain itself. And you, your checking account would be on the Lightning Network. So I'm going to spend 500 bucks. I upload it to the Lightning Network, and then I can go out and, and shop. That's okay, because that makes it, trans it makes it more easily transferable from place to place. And that's why that country is so awesome, because you can go anywhere, and you go to the gas station, and boop, 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 and everybody's... You can, you can use Bitcoin over the Lightning Network at McDonald's and Starbucks in El Salvador. That's... And it's only on the Lightning Network that this is possible, that businesses are comfortable receiving, like in the, the transaction time? Well, it's, it's, I think the businesses would be fine accepting on the, on the blockchain itself. It's more that uh, 
it's just a lot less expensive to use the Lightning Network, so people mm. prefer it. When are you moving to El Salvador? <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to sad, no, no personal questions. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to remain anonymous. No, I, I like it here in San Francisco, um, but I do want to visit El Salvador and see what the future looks like. Sure. Yeah. They're actually, El Salvador is, you can become a citizen of El Salvador and not have to pay capital gains tax on Bitcoin that you own because Bitcoin is legal tender there. Um but it costs three Bitcoin to become a citizen. Oh. So they're trying to collect Bitcoin that way and get Bitcoiners into the state or into the country. Smart. Um, but yeah, that's like $170,000 today. So uh, it's, a, it's pretty steep, three Bitcoin. It costs three, co- and but they can just wash their money there. Like it's just, Correct. you can just Once like you, hold your bank. Right. Yeah, so yeah. if Bitcoin goes up to, let's say, 500000 um, you'd owe... You'd owe like $250,000 in taxes here in America, right? but you wouldn't in El Salvador. Right. It's a game. It's, there's a different game that people operate with that kind of money. Well, and it's what you said last week is that people, like I was like, oh, Bitcoin, that's so dumb, but only because I didn't know about it and because I was afraid of it. And now I'm like, there's something to be scared of. Like once you understand what it is and it's it's really hard to wrap your brain around, but you're helping me. Like I feel like you should become a professor of Bitcoin, <laughs> and then you could take these like groups of people to El Salvador on trips and like. Do... I love that idea. I'm gonna run that by the wife. <laughs> right, because it's it's all because if you're if you're like solely Bitcoin everything, then you'd be getting paid in Bitcoin, and you wouldn't have to. Uh, it just would be all it'd be a tax write off because you take everybody there and you spend Bitcoin, <laughs> and then I, you get to visit El Salvador. And then you get to go to El Salvador. Crazy. I did not bring any orange pills, but uh, very happy with Pam right now. <laughs> oh, you, you seriously? You've, I, I'm a total convert because now I've got now I've got three things. I've got because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to. All of my money is like money, money, and it's in these dumb accounts. Like I don't know if my 401ks are ever going to have any money in them by the time I'm 64. It'll probably be gone. Who knows? It's all in stocks and things that don't go up and down and don't make sense and they're not real. And it's all. But I want to hedge my bets. So now I've got. Three different cryptocurrencies. I've got non-fungible tokens. I've got actual Ethereum in a wallet, and I've got Bitcoin in a wallet. And it just makes me feel like I'm like a, a part of the future. Whoop! Right? Oh. I just, it's, it's very exciting. <laughs> mm. You've converted me. Yeah, it's really it's awesome. I'm a convert. Malcolm, Ed, Malcolm, are you there? I am. Hey, I am. hey buddy. All right, cool. I'm just making sure yeah. that we didn't lose you. I'm, yeah. Are you a convert, Malcolm? Are you? I know that you, Malcolm. I know that you are a proponent of the system at large, and you are just like all of the coins. There's space for it all. Are you? What are your thoughts on? Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you meant the traditional system, the petrodollar system. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, never mind. My apologies. Society at large, a recent convert. I was a very like anarchist on youth. And then, um, you know, lots of things. But what really um, crystallized it was I got my jaw broken, and it was wired shut for a month. And um, uh, partially because of the, the isolation of not being able to open your mouth and talk properly. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about my life and the world and all that stuff and realized that in, in an anarchist, no 
society system, uh, I would be drooling for the rest of my life oh. and struggling to chew my food. So I was like, man, the world as it is, is not as good as it can be, but it is better than most alternatives I've seen presented. You know, I'm no longer in favor of like, burn it down and start anew from the ashes or anything like that. But I do think that we have reached a point where, you know, like, like democracy, hell yeah, way better than monarchy. But it is not the final stopping point. It is not the end-all, be-all, especially money and politics and all this, the problems of the financial system. Um, so what I'm really into about uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is the broader use cases of decentralizing everything, where, like, you can have... I mean, it, it, it ends up kind of working similar to... Um, uh, what do you call it? When... when Stockholders have a vote, um, you know, the, the shareholders have a vote in the corporation. Um, in a similar way, there are certain cryptocurrencies where if you hold that currency, then you get to vote on the future of that program. And so everything in the future could be boiled down to like stakeholders where uh, we, we could issue NFTs for episode one of a podcast, and if you hold that NFT, you have more say in what guests you choose than somebody who just comments on Facebook saying, I would love to see this guest, that that NFT could give you voting rights. Or like if we um, issued a coin for our podcast, people buying that coin would give us funding, and owning that coin would give them votership on where you want to see this thing that you care about go. Yeah, I think um, ownership. Well, I don't think everything should be for sale for the highest bidder to decide where it goes. I think it's really exciting that everyone can, you know, like anything can now be designed to verify that Joe Schmo with a cell phone has a vote in the future. Yeah, the country of Estonia leverages blockchain technology for that. Um, all of their records, their dental records, their licenses, their medical records. Um, housing ownership is all stored on a public blockchain. So if you change doctors, like if you change doctors here in America, it's a whole thing. They might be on different medical record systems and you have to get your records from one thing to the other. Um, in Estonia, it's all one system that is a blockchain based and you basically give um, the, the new doctor permission on the blockchain to read your records. And I read a whole article about this, and, and the person who architected the system in Estonia came here to America and st waited in line at our DMVs and was like, I feel like I'm in 1950s here. Like, what is happening? Um, and, yeah, like, there definitely are more and more expansive use cases, and it's a very, very exciting time because the Internet yeah. changed a lot of things. But it also it was also a powerful centralizing force where all these platforms um, gained ownership of, of almost our entire experience over the internet, just like just like in the 1890s with um, the ownership of the railroads and oil. It was it was a new innovation that did enable a lot, but certain people ended up owning all of it until we broke those monopolies down. Um, and we're in, we're in the same phase right now. It's a new gilded age. It's it's digital, and and we really need to decentralize um, to to make the the best of it. Like you're saying, are we still going to have? How do you feel about? Oh, no, keep ahead, going. Ben. No, no, you, Malcolm, please. 
you work for um, a company that collects, you know, like I can pay you to host my Bitcoin miner. How do you feel about that form of centralization of what was intended to be decentralized and the idea that like uh, the, the mining technology has become so expensive that I personally cannot afford to mine Bitcoin. And so eventually it could be bought. How do you feel about the, the 1% should they be interested in buying the Bitcoin network? Couldn't they? What's to stop the 1% from buying the Bitcoin network? Well, so at Compass Mining, that's actually what we're doing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of forms of central centralization. Um, it, it can be ownership centralization, geographic centralization, um, country-level centralization. Um, what we are doing, like, we, were, we are solving this problem that people with large pools of capital, able to invest in the facilities, able to make the large purchase orders directly from the manufacturers, um, they were a danger to end up basically running the, running the network. And what we've done is we've aggregated regular people, the, the plebs, the <laughs> retail demand, and, and we're able to get these same purchase orders that the large, the large one uh, percent, like you're saying, is able to get, and then we spread it, spread out the ownership across hundreds or thousands of people. Um, so we think we're playing a really big, important part in decentralizing mining ownership. Hmm. And you're making How more. How much does it cost to buy one of your miners? It depends on the model. The we just launched a marketplace a couple weeks ago, and we've had machines go for twenty thousand dollars on there, but they can be as low as five thousand. And before before this latest bull run in Bitcoin, the machines were like between one and three thousand dollars. It's just it, they, they track the price of Bitcoin um, because they create Bitcoin. So. And, and when you're creating Bitcoin, uh, I, let me see if my rudimentary understanding, you're taking excess energy from the grid and, and then turning it into what? Okay. Um, so this is how the Bitcoin blockchain pr protects itself and ensures that uh, everyone agrees to the same record Everyone agrees to the same record of who owns what Bitcoin. It is because in order to add transactions to the blockchain, like my transaction to you, work needs to be put in to add the transactions to the blockchain. That work is basically what you've described. It's the conversion of electricity into guesses that solve a puzzle. Um, you could consider them like lottery tickets because the puzzle is completely random and it can only be solved by guess and check. So I need to spend electricity to be like, does this solve the puzzle? No. Does this solve the puzzle? Does this solve the puzzle? The puzzle takes about 16 minutes for a human to solve, to, to do one guess and check. And the computers that are the Bitcoin miners that do it can do like 100,000 guesses per second. Ah. Oh. And the brilliance of the Bitcoin... So theoretically, I could solve a math problem and uh, like verify a transaction. If you would, you would take a guess and check that it verified the transaction? Um, Just in theory, in like theory, it would take yes. forever. It your, would take... Odds are, your odds are like one in many trillions. Sure, and they're longer uh, for me. Please continue. <laughs> 
But if you did get it right, the Bitcoin network would reward you with uh, 6.25 Bitcoin, which is about $340,000 or wow. so. Um, and it would reward you uh, with whatever transaction fee is the, the transactions that you solve the riddle to put into the blockchain page. Sure. Together, or are they all making different guesses? Right, so you can mine by yourself and sit there and, and use your guesses by yourself and, and hope that you get something right, but the odds of getting it right are so astronomically low. What people do is they contribute their guesses, they pull their lottery tickets, and basically if someone that pulled the lottery tickets gets paid, uh, they, everyone gets paid the amount of lottery tickets that they contributed. That's, that's super... Um... Democratic. That's amazing. It's, it's almost it's socialistic. Almost what you put in is what you is what you get out. Well, it, there's definitely like that. Can yeah, um, and it's yeah. I think that's fair. I, 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 I'm like really excited because I'm actually understanding what you're talking about, and I never ever thought that I would have any concept or clue about like. Bitcoin. I mean, and I used to scoff at it. I'd see people, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You and your <laughs> fake money. And now I'm like, no, I was wrong. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of people, so Pam, if you go out and you say to your friends, like, I love Bitcoin now, a lot of people are probably going to say, well, what about the environmental impact? Because huh. they'll say, oh, they're solving this puzzle that doesn't need to be solved and it uses electricity. What the heck? We're in a climate emergency. Like, we need to stop doing this. Um, but what I like to say is that's first order thinking like, oh, we burn electricity for Bitcoin. Therefore we should stop Bitcoin because we're, we'll stop burning electricity. Um, but Bitcoin has a second order effect. All of these people mining Bitcoin are in the search for the cheapest power possible. What that means is what's the cheapest power? Well, it, it doesn't involve burning coal or oil. Uh-huh. It involves free sources of power like wind, sun, um, water, geothermal, and what we're seeing is a lot of innovation in the renewable energy space that can only happen because Bitcoin mining will buy the energy that gets created. So before you were constrained by needing to be around people, your energy source needed to be connected to the grid to sell it. But now all you need to do is connect energy to Bitcoin miners. You can you can create energy anywhere to power Bitcoin. Uh, and that's that's a big Can you talk about flare mining? Yeah. Um, I can. Uh we have we have seven minutes left of recording. Do you have the do you have flare mining flare mining in just a few? Oh yeah, easy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's... <laughs> it, right, isn't it? And so please why uh Adam, flare mining. Alright, so when the oil and gas companies they're called oil and gas companies, but you probably only know them from oil. Uh they create oil and that gets turned into gasoline. But the process of getting oil out of the ground actually gets a, a second chemical that can be used for power, and it's natural gas. Natural gas is so cheap right now that the oil companies are not incentivized to store it and sell it because what the heck are they going to do with it? They can't sell it for anything. Um, so what they've been doing well, is... Well, they can, that, just not enough. Right. It's, it's not worth it to them to right. sell. So they face... They have to burn it, basically, which is not good for the environment. Um, and what is happening instead is Bitcoin miners are like, 
I smell free power. <laughs> Let me get in there. Um, and they're creating, they're creating really cool cases that you put the machines in. They go directly on the oil fields and they pump the natural gas directly into them. It gets converted into electricity, and instead of burning it, it powers these miners, which is actually a carbon negative process because instead of burning the Bitcoin, or sorry, instead of burning the natural gas, it is converted to electricity, which is significantly better for the environment. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. And we're seeing innovation like this. It is wild. Um, yeah. Because why waste all that free energy? Yeah. Yes. And, and that's what they're doing. And that's just crazy. I would never have thought that that... We could yep. be heating homes with natural gas. Yep. Mm. Oh, the future. The yeah. future, the I mean, that's what that's what uh, Bitcoin mining is going to do. It's going to fill the gaps in the um, demand side of the energy grid. So a lot of people don't know this because our power is terrible around here in California and New York. Um, but 58 percent of America in 58 uh, percent of energy in America is created and then wasted. Um, so there is a very big opportunity for Bitcoin miners to come in, eat that energy pay for it, make energy, give energy companies the ability to have more money that they can invest in renewable sources, and uh, just, yeah, make our grid more efficient. It's a very, very... So you're going to be seeing a lot of Bitcoin mining joining the energy grid, joining these power players, <laughs> joining the oil and gas industry, um, and that's where I think the real value and power of Bitcoin is is going to come out, and you're going to see, like... These are big billion-dollar companies. And it's companies like Compass that are making the Bitcoin miners more affordable because you're purchasing them at, like, you're making wholesale prices available to the consumers, and then you guys are hosting them, and so, and Bitcoin mining companies are leading these innovations in the energy space. Me owning and processing my own Bitcoin miner, I'm still paying for it out of the wall here. Right, I'm, I would I would say that we're making it more accessible. Mm. Um, there there are very large and well capitalized companies doing this, also, but we're the ones that make it possible for like me and you to do it. Yay! Sure. Which is what this is all. Do you about. sell um, partial shares in miners? Uh, we do not do that today. It is uh, illegal uh -huh. because it is a security. If we do that, and we do not oh. sell illegal securities. Uh huh. Darn. Well, hey, Dad, you want to go in on a miner together? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> not, not interested. So, yeah, we'll um, talk about that later. I, I don't have bread for that, but I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. <laughs> Me uh, neither. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to hey, wrap listeners, this. Do you want to buy us a miner? <laughs> Seriously, we'll sell you. I will sell my portion of ownership in this episode as we mint it into an NFT for one Bitcoin miner. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair market value. Let's watch a full length movie on Friend, I wrote this song. Uh, my turn ons are satin sheets and the way champagne tickles my nose. And I love to paint outdoors. 
listen, you should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl, the French duh, not the oh, oh, duh. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi. It's not a feature-length movie. It's a full-length movie. Now, whoever heard of the expression feature colon length? <laughs> it's full colon length. Right. Of Uh-oh. course. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We are streaming right now, first, live here on mutinyradio.fm. That is, we're not actually airing live. We're streaming here first, but you must be alive to experience it. And yeah. you can by going to mutinyradio.fm and listen every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're right after What's Really Happening with Luke. Uh, and it's a great, great station, and there's a lot of great shows, a really snappy new website. So check it out, uh, and you can subscribe to many other channels. So maybe uh, you can listen to us through Muni Radio. Yes. How's another way you can listen? You could download our podcast by typing in our acronym. Carl, what is that acronym again for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube? It is Lawathlamot. So easy to remember. It's the initials L W A F L M O Y T. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. L W A L M O Y T. And what if what about our YouTube channel where we sync up the movies and with our podcast and post it? Okay, well the YouTube channel's uh a little bit the same. It is L W A L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. Perfect. <laughs> it's so easy. So those are our ways to check us out. And, of course, we have a Facebook page called Let's Watch Full Life Movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie we were watching on YouTube today? Today we will watch Massacre at Central High, 1976. Massacre at Central High, 1976. The channel we like is Flippin' Retro, all right? Flippin' Flippin Retro. Flippin' Retro. Okay, so type in Massacre, that's Mass Acre, at Central High. Uh, H-I-G-H, 1973, Six, six, six. Now, you're right. It's it's mass, like M-A-S-S, and then acre, A-C-R-E. One word, massacre at Central High, H-I-G-H, 1976. Flippin' Retro, Flippin' Retro is our channel. Subscribe. Yeah, it's actually, there's some great stuff on that. So go ahead, find that link, click it, and hit pause. We want you to move the timer to zero, zero, zero. When we say go, you're going to hit the play button, listen to our podcast, and watch the movie on mute at the same time. Now, this has a lot to digest. We're really excited. Our comedian, celebrity comedian countdown is happening right now. Yeah. Carl found the best comedian in the whole world <laughs> to do the countdown. So let's hear this guy or this woman's story and uh, then watch the movie. We'll see you. Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Pam Benjamin. Yay. Yay. 
Now, we stream every week live, allegedly, on Mutiny Radio. And that's why I'm so happy to have you on. You are our home base. You are Mutiny Radio. Tell me, how did it get started? Well, it was literally a mutiny. There used to be a different owner type person, Mm -hmm. and it was called Pirate Cat. And then all this crazy shit went down. And then there was a big mutiny and we all became a collective and you know how a collective works like one person does all the work and then everyone takes the credit (laughs) and i was like this is not the way this is happening and they everyone wanted to disband it and they wanted to move it to someone's garage and i was like we are not leaving a storefront in the mission this beautiful space no way and so i just said okay i'm gonna take over and everyone was like all right good luck we'll see if you can do that and that was in 2013 so it's been eight years that i've kept it afloat and you really have kept it afloat there's been tough times that you've weathered right yeah it's it's always been a struggle financially to keep like a free speech it's hard to get money from the government to fund free speech but um you know i'm a hustler So uh, I beg a lot for money and um, people pay their dues sometimes. You do. You guys are great. And, you know, I wish I could sell drugs, but it's illegal. There's schools like 400 yards away. So I couldn't turn it into a dispensary like I wanted. That was the dream. I was like, I'm turning this into a pot bakery. And I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. You'd be in triple trouble if, if schools are close by because uh, it like, it, it increases the sentences. Not that I know what I'm talking about, but just being <laughs> in that neighborhood, right? Yeah. Well, it would be that neighborhood actually needs something like that. It needs dispensaries are way far away. You got to walk all the way up to Mission. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know how I start talking about weed. Oh, keeping the station alive. Yeah, man, I'll do anything. I do weird comedy shows now. I I, I charge comics for open mics, which is like terribly uncouth in San Francisco. But I'm like. We don't provide anything except the stage and a podcast. So right. can pay for that. it's worth two bucks. And that's the thing. You know, you count the pennies, I'll count the dollars. That's what my grandma used to say. But like $2 at a time, it really adds up. So that's yeah. how I've kept alive. That, that is part of the way that you keep things going is having these open mics and people get to be on the radio show and there's Pantastic. Uh, you're you're really a part of the open mic scene. When I bump into a comedian from San Francisco here in beautiful New Jersey and in New York, I always ask them about Mutiny Radio and nine times out of 10, I mean, that's a solid nine, they know Mutiny Radio. So what are these open mics you do? What days of the week? I I think it's often on the weekends. I run four now. So I have Mondays and Fridays at six and I have Tuesdays at six and Mondays now at nine, but the mutiny radio ones I do um, Monday at six is joke workshop. And I've been running it since 2014. And it's the first eight comics do four minutes and they get critique. And I run it like a graduate level poetry Mm -hmm. workshop actually, except it's comedy. So everybody's really supportive and helpful and they have to take notes. And if you give a compliment or try to help someone with a critique and you're not specific, I just shut them up. I'm just like, okay, next person. So you don't have anything valuable to say. Like you can't just say, ooh, I liked it. It's like, get out of here. Um, 
So I'd like people to be specific. But then on Fridays, it's just an open mic, but it's a contest. And I have real people, real audience come in and vote. So there's like value there for them. On Mondays, they get, you know, I'm like, I have some graduate degrees in writing. So it's not like I don't know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about joke structure and story structure and stuff. So they're getting something valuable for their $2. And then on Friday, they get to, you know, be in front of a real audience. But then Tuesdays now, I do OMG. And um, it's in... It's on 6th Street, and it's in the most savory part of town. Mm-hmm. But I've got an audience to come out there now, too, because the owner will give us two-for-one drink specials during the um, during the show. So I've been, like, promoting it to real people, and, and yeah. they've been coming, which is great. And then now they're having me take over Grant and Green on Monday. Like, I need another open mic to run. But, you know, what else am I doing? Like, and I love stage time, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put me out there. Grant and Green, and, that's the 9 p.m. one on Mondays? On Mondays uh, in the North Beach, yeah. And, and it's, why do I want to open mics? I like free alcohol. I mean, that's why. <laughs> that's it. You don't have to pay me in real money. Just give me booze. That's a motivator. Yeah. And well, and then I run, I have three weeklies that I do that are actually booked and I pay all of my comp, well, I pay them. They get a food item, a drink item and cut of tips. So mm-hmm. I really believe in paying comics in some fashion, whether it's products or money or whatever but yeah you have to stop this whole thing once once you're out of the open mic scene and you start doing shows there there for a long time there was this feeling of like oh you don't have to pay comics you don't have to give them anything they'll, they'll do it for free and it's like yeah we will but isn't it nicer to feed us so we don't become raving alcoholics you know um not yeah, so I, well not raving well me <laughs> if i don't eat if i don't eat ooh, <laughs> man right to your head now you've had to deal with a pandemic and that's just more of the struggle with mutiny radio once again i just want to compliment you for keeping it going since 2013 for saying goodbye to pirate pirate cat in a mutiny and you were the one doing all the hefty lifting so when the pandemic came you still you had to lift more weights How, how did you was it was it rough tell us about your experience during it yeah, well, after I came out of the nervous breakdown for lack of stage time, mm-hmm. uh, well, I started, the pandemic was really hard for me in the beginning because I lost my job. I had no idea what I was going to do. And I didn't think, because my other job was this tiny kitchen job, and I only worked there like one day a week, uh-huh. but sometimes two. And so there, I didn't make enough money, I thought, to get unemployment. So I didn't even get that $600 a month until, I think it was, August of the pandemic, I finally mm-hmm. applied for it. And then they gave it to me in a lump sum and I put it all in mutiny radio and paid because that's, so that's what started paying the rent was the unemployment. Mm-hmm. And I applied for a billion grants and, um, and I just, I started doing outdoor shows um, on the sidewalk and right. I would stand in front of like when it was really bad, I would, um, I would stand across the street in front of the lines of like Trader Joe's or Gus's or Safeway or whatever. And I'd bring my little portable PA and I'd tell jokes on the street and then walk <laughs> along the people and ask for money. This is, this is no joke. This is what yeah. I did. <laughs> and um, so I did that for a while. But then I started doing outdoor stuff at the station and I applied for a bunch of grants. And the funny thing was I didn't get any of them. I got them all in the same week in August of this year. Mm-hmm. So this year, okay. Yeah, so I tread water. I and I begged, I begged for so much money, and I Patreoned, and I, 
I mean, I don't know how I did it, to be honest. Well, no, it, it didn't make a difference. How about this? The pandemic didn't make a difference because no one ever had given me money anyways. And then all of a sudden I got the unemployment money. I'm like, what is this? And then I got <laughs> the grant the grant money. I got the PPP loan and that all got forgiven. And I was like, holy fuck, free money. Yeah. So it made it so that I didn't have to tread water so hard because like I knew I'd thrive in a pandemic. Like I, I, I'd make a thousand dollars a month. Like how can I not? I was making more money in the pandemic than I was before. So yeah, good work if you can get it. Yeah, exactly. Time to spread contagion. So I know about all this stuff because I was watching it online. As you know, I was out there for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival in 2020 in March, and it was like two seconds before like the world locked down. I was I got I got my flight home. I didn't know that I was riding just ahead of the wave. Uh, I might have got stuck in San Francisco. I don't know, but so I've seen, which isn't t- torture. So I, I've seen you on social media the whole way. Like I touched down in Newark, and there you are doing the outdoor shows and everything, and and uh, the the fundraisers and everything. And I just have to commend you on treading water because you tread so well. Thanks. Now, well, it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just say it's it's about wants and if your needs and wants are the same then everything's fine and most people just need too much these needy little entitled motherfuckers they don't need they don't need that much they didn't even need six hundred dollars i was like six hundred dollars a week this is more money than i've had in what since i was a bourgeois corporateer like it's it's been a while since i had that much money okay mutiny radio comedy festival yeah, that's what I I wanted to come back. Um, it got postponed from March to what was it? October. October, and it's way better in October because it's um, it's my I, this year I did it in my birthday week because I was wow. I mean, why not just put all the stress together? Why not put all of my? <laughs> why not be scared about everything in the same week? So a failure, like the the oh, it's hard. I was I'm a fail. I hate failing, but it worked. Everything was great. It was yeah. like. Yeah, and um, and it worked because it's the first time I've done it outside of Mutiny Radio. I used six different venues, um, and everyone was happy. They all made money. I made money. I paid all the comedians. It was it was awesome. It was good. I'm really proud of myself, and I don't usually say that. I'm not usually. We'll have to say it for you because we're proud for you. Thank you. Because I always wanted to be better and bigger, but it was. I, I came from Jersey for the festival, and I when we were there, we were doing our show, and we were interviewing comics from Colorado. People come from all over for this comedy festival. What is it? The sixth one? You're, it's the sixth one, right? It was the, it was the sixth, yeah. And the farthest we had this year was from Maine, um, but Portland, Seattle, Texas, a couple places in Texas, Colorado, yeah, Chicago, Pennsylvania, New York. And then Maine this year, it wasn't as very, there were, there were more in-town people than there ever have been before, but you know, still 35 people flew from all over the country. There were 22, 22 shows in seven days. And then a lot of stuff during the day, podcasts and master classes and weird shit like that. 22 shows. Wow. (laughs) So if you listen to this podcast, you know, that to, the way to find Mutiny Radio is uh, mutinyradio.fm, which is so apropos, .fm. Uh, where else can people uh, 
find out about Mutiny Radio. I mean, you can listen right at mutinyradio.fm, but you have other presences out there, social media. Yeah, well, I like for an app to listen, I like to use this app called Radio Box, but it, we're on that. But there's also like you can stream it on iTunes. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. But yeah, find us. I'm terrible. I'm a Luddite. I'm, it was even hard to get me on Facebook when Facebook came out. Mm-hmm. And now that's all I have. I'm like, I have Instagram. We have um, Mutiny Radio SF is our Insta. But I'm terrible because I'm old and I don't understand the platform. Like, why do you want to look at all these stupid pictures? I'm not doing that, anything that interesting. Um, but my Facebook is a lot more fun because I, I talk about menopause a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, if you look at Mutiny Radio, we have a presence. I, I mean, I wish it was more, but I'm not one of these technical geniuses. I'm an artist. I just want stage time. I didn't want a radio station. I didn't want to do Instagram. I don't want to be doing social media. Yeah. I hate promotions. I just want to be on stage, but it's just a necessary monster to the whole. You have to like leash the monster of promotion to be able to have people want to see you on stage and there's no more fairy agents that are going to swoop down and be like you you're the next comic for the Netflix special that's right that's not happening no one's going to do that so I understand that you have to like you know leash your own dragon and be like la 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 look at it here it is come pet my dragon (laughs) but I just self people will find me look for mutiny radio look for Pam Benjamin I'm not I'm not hiding (laughs) (laughs) okay now everyone at home is poised to set a uh, press play at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So Pam, why don't you take it away and give us that celebrity comedian countdown? I'm really excited about this movie because it has cheerleaders and explosions. Get your finger ready, hover it above that button. Here we go, three, two, one, go. Wow, did it just start with an explosion? Yeah, it's really very poor filmmaking to start with an explosion and then these like long shots. You don't, you're out of context. That's a scene that will happen in the movie and it's the very last scene. Well, maybe they show it in the trailer so they're like, you saw it. Ooh, Robert Carradine. That's Now we in LWAFLMOIT. We saw him in TAG. Remember T.A.G with Linda? Are you talking about the assassination game? (laughs) Exactly right. You have to be a lot bigger than that. If you want to listen to the the Assassination Games podcast, you have to type in their acronym, (laughs) T.A.G. So you see a lot of running here, and you've got this horrible song going uh, yeah. the director actually wrote a kick-ass song, and the producers didn't go for it, and they went for that la-di-da song. We're looking for some more soft rap, rock and smooth jazz, uh, polished rap, and, uh, oh, harmless punk, maybe? <laughs> Ooh, another explosion. Yeah. Now, this director was involved with punk. He, he was part of... Uh, the great rock and roll swindle with the Sex Pistols. He did the famous My Way by Sid Vicious. Which uh, aired on NBC with the sound cut on Mr. Mike's Mondo Video as a uh, a replacement of an SNL show. Oh, and the video was cut? Okay, we're now going to meet Spoonie right away, Robert Carradine, uh, who would go on to do Revenge of the Nerds, of course. 
No, and, wait a minute. We, yeah, there he is. He looks really young. And yeah, our swastika and, drawing is impeccable. Yeah, see, those are the bad guys of the school. And so he was like trying to screw him and he was trying to paint a swastika on there, but he's getting caught. He got caught. I can't believe he's that he finally got caught. Uh, I think if you drew a swastika on a locker nowadays, maybe like the hall monitor would step in or, or maybe a person <laughs> in the hall. Maybe the camera is in the hall. <laughs> well, it's part, it's in the script. So they were all for it. Right. Now, this is a massacre at Central High. Who's going to be doing the massacring? Well, we're going to meet him. He's the new student. So now they're like catching him and bullying him. Go ahead, clean it off. And they're beating on him right. and stuff. It's Look, the, we went to the Hail Hitler. They, they don't. What? This is the new kid, David. Okay, so the bullies are Craig, Bruce, and um, uh, yeah, and 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 Horshack. And uh, our hero is David, and he's good friends with one of the bullies who we haven't met yet. Oh, so they're gonna get Carradine off the hook? No, he's not. Carradine's like, don't hassle me, man. Get lost. See, he's just like, could you direct me to the such and such lounge or something? You know, he's. So here he is again, walking the halls. He's not going to get any help from anyone. Except no. when he sees uh, Teresa. He looks like a young Jerry O'Connell. Who's Jerry O'Connell? Oh, eight is enough. Eight is enough. The oldest sister on the left there. That's Lanny O'Grady. Uh, is it uh, Abby? It is. I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Because Abby was always the oldest. She is the oldest sister on right. Eight is Enough. Now, now um, Teresa, who we're looking at here, was in the pilot for Eight is Enough. David was in Eight is Enough. Almost every single actor here was in an episode of Eight is Enough. Now, the only one was a star of Eight is Enough. The other was a pilot, but had a special guest star appearance. Right, exactly, exactly. That took place in Sacramento, California. Remember, it was based on a news reporter who had a column in the Sacramento Bee. And Dick Van Patten would have a job writing for the Sacramento Bee. I don't remember that. I did watch that show weekly as a kid. Don't right. remember too much from it. <clears throat> well, I always felt it was about my obsession with mac and cheese because I ate it enough. <laughs> I tried. I tried, Carl. I tried. Did that Notice I didn't steal that for the open mic. Um, yeah, that's how bad the joke was. You didn't, you didn't write it down. Now, this is Mark on the right. And of course, David, and they went to another high school together. <clears throat> and um, they used to get beat up a lot there. There were a lot of bullies. And now Mark is with the bullies in this new school. And so he's telling David, hey, man, don't worry. You're going to do well here. I got you in good. The right. You know, you could be one of the bullies like me. We could rule the school. Well, that sounds like a smooth sailing, man. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank called privilege that. right there. He's hitchhiking a ride? No. <laughs> that's right. He, that's why he put his thumb up. He's also but, saying, I've got a girlfriend. You're going to like her. And we're going to find out it's Teresa, who he just met and kind of like. 
Can I can I do my impression of the director of this film? Okay. All right. Hey, listen. These guys are talking. I can't hear them. Zoom in. <laughs> Zoom into the conversation. That's right. Walk closer. <laughs> the camera just walked like two steps to the jeep. Yeah, this was only his second film ever. He ended up being a really influential guy. His name was Rene Dalder. And, All right, um, rocker. He would go on to do uh, a lot of stuff in CGI and virtual reality. He would be a pioneer of it. Uh, he was part of RoboCop 2, which had the first like computer animated graphics in it. Yeah, there's some crazy graphics in it. <laughs> It's a shame because Robo, well, you know, I, I recognize, can't recognize game. I mean, this is, it's interesting he made this movie so early. Well, he and, was in um, his home of Holland and he made a movie there called The White Slave. Of course, it's in Dutch. And he came here and rented a house in Hollywood Hills with his wife and tried to make films. And this was one of them. And this one had distribution and everything. I don't know how it did. It's a very poorly acted movie, but it's got a great plot. So right now it's just, okay, it's Bruce, <clears throat> Craig, and Paul. And they're just being like, hey, we're the leaders of the school, swarmy, swarmy. It's like you hate Bruce right away, the handsome one in the middle. No, I, <clears throat> right, yeah, yeah. Now, this is not, was this like an after-school special or was this a theatrically released full-length movie? This a theatrically released movie and it just was not an after-school special at all. I mean, it's a horror film. It's a slasher film. Of course, there won't be any knives. It's not really a slasher film, but it's a, well, uh, yeah. Chainsaws? Any chainsaws in this massacre? Nope. Any massacres with chainsaws? Nope. Nope. Huh. But it's a uh, murder film. Well, we saw two explosions. You don't tell me this guy knows to yeah. explode things. Well, what? I don't know where he learned it, but yes, he does know how to explode things. Do you know, listen, if I give you a gun, right, and say, all right, I want you to go shoot people, you'd be like, all right, I'll try. All right, yeah. and you're a slasher, here's a knife. I want you to slash people, all right, stabby, stabby. No, he's if I give motivated. You, like, I was in a hot wire speaker with his car, so when he puts the ignition <laughs> into it, he, the car explodes. What the okay. fuck, man? Just give me a knife. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just... it. Okay, now they're going to bully. You see, that's my father's car. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, my father had a 68 Valiant. I don't really know what this car is, but it sure is my father's car. And there's Mother the young dad. He's going to get bullied now. They're really going to fuck him up. Really? Your dad's going to take this shit? Well, they're going to fuck up his car, not him, but yeah. Oh, I got you. And my dad will take this shit. Your dad's not in the backseat hiding? <laughs> Look at this. They're fucking up your dad's car. Well, they're saying, like, let's take it for a test drive. And David is like a reluctant partner in this. He's now one of the bullies. For the first time, he's seeing what the bullies do. So Paul, you know, a.k.a. Chin... The blonde, he's driving, and um, <clears throat> they're basically, let's test the brakes first. Okay, hit that garbage can. You know, they're just, of no. course, Bruce is leading them because he's the main bad guy. 
So David is our massacre. Is he like a Dexter where he's like killing evil people? Yeah, he's killing, not evil, but he's motivated to kill the bullies and then he just keeps moving on. You'll see. Because what they're doing right now is pretty shitty. Yeah, they're just fucking with the guy and they're just fucking with this car. And it kind of doesn't make sense in the real world. Bullies wouldn't well, it makes sense in the 70s real world. None of them had seatbelts, and they were driving, like, seven people in that car, driving off of shit. Yeah, David got in the middle, like, I'm not having the middle seat. It was no problem, because it's kind of like a couch. Oh, especially in the front middle. That's, like, even better, because you have a better view of the uh, ongoing yeah. traffic. Oh, uh, damn it. Gonna run next to grainy ocean. Now, it's important that you see David loves to run, okay? Because that'll be part of the plot later. Ooh, look at this blue screen makeup point. Yeah. Blue screen, screen makeup point. Now, they've been together so long, these two, that they're really not going to be making out. They're really talking about their feelings. He's worried about David. David's not going to fit in, you know? He's, 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 uh, he's not going to be. Is there a like another? Is there a car behind them? Hong Kong playing through. Hey, doesn't it hey. look like a uh, painting? Oh, they're doing a 360. I thought this was a blue green screen, but it's it must be the real grainy self. Being as it was filmed in the first three, first four weeks of uh, early 1976. Hey, eight is enough, girl. Hey, Abby. Now the one and featuring Grant Goodwill. The one in the center would go on to do a lot of work for Joan Jett, like singing on her albums and singing on tour. Really? Yeah, backup singer. Nice. That must be fun. She, her name so is... So everyone went on to do better things, right? No. Television, no. Career, no. CGI, yeah. rock and roll, anything but movies. Yes. Okay, Lanny O'Grady, the Eight is Enough lady, she did not... Yeah. On to have a good story at all okay this is oscar and he's fat because he had to he gained 30 pounds for the film he was supposed to be the fat guy and the director was like well can you get fat and he goes okay and he gained 30 pounds now look they got a knife in him you're gonna climb this rope damn it i know it's crazy reminds me of my gym class david doesn't like it Yay, he went higher yeah. than he ever did. They're just bullying for no reason. Carl, shower, shower scene. Mm hmm Yep, tidy whities That's how I used to play. Mark gets to show off his uh, body here. Mark was married to, his name is uh, Andrew Stevens, and he was married to Kate Jackson, a, a, a Charlie's oh, Angels. Charlie's Angels. Yeah, and in the heyday. 78. They were divorced in 82 because she was like off the air by then. Oh, I know. That probably wasn't the reason of their divorce, but it's a good fact. Oh, look at this. They decided not to knife him after all. <laughs> they didn't knife him because he climbed the rope. Um, Andrew Stevens, you know, Mark was a, a big flirt apparently on the set with like several of the female extras. I don't uh -huh. know. He went on to become a producer. He did the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards, and he did the sure. in-laws. Um, so you know, they, they reje he rejected my prequel idea. Yeah. 
The whole eight yards. Whole eight yards. Yeah, you would. Who step into my office because you're fired? Who would want to <laughs> in your dabs? Listen, you know the movie analyze this. Yeah, go on. And you know the sequel analyze that. Uh huh. B. Well, here's my idea for a prequel. Analyze. <laughs> yeah, step into my office. Yeah, in my office. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Um, they kind of have bell bottoms, if you notice. They're not really bell bottoms, but they're like grunge bottoms. They're you know wide. You see how it bells out? It's not a bell bottom, but it gets wide. It's real seven. Yeah, my babysitters have those pants. So Mark is like, "Come on, guys, let's go do something." And they're like, "No, thanks." Both the girlfriend and David. You could tell there's a bummer vibe going on. He's like, "What's wrong with you two? Right. So then Bruce shows up and goes, we got to talk. And David goes, sure, talk. He goes, no, not here. You know, not it's like, the have talk. look at the bell box. on the tree. We said the Levi's Gap store. Go so buy more now, bell bottoms. Now we get like Teresa, the girlfriend of Mark, kind of like bonding with David. And they're talking about how they don't like the bullying. Like I've hit, I hide behind Mark and, you know, maybe how come nobody does anything about them? Maybe somebody should, maybe you will, David, you know, we're getting <laughs> precursor. You well, see, I just need an excuse. That's all. I really don't find this to be like a horror film or a slasher film. I think it's more just like, a story and in the story there will be murders but it's not really so, done to be sensational like horror now how can i tell when david snaps like is he gonna start acting or like blinking or maybe he's gonna <laughs> he's very stoic like he'll have he'll have uh ticks and and uh well okay he's gonna get his they're gonna hurt him pretty bad he's gonna go to the hospital and you'll see he he turns he turns oh Oh, oh, and he's a runner. He's going to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now they're like, your friend David, he ain't with us. No, he's with us. He goes, fucking no, he's not. You better talk to him. He goes, yeah, were, they in the, were they in that black van with the round circles? Yeah. That's a snazzy fucking big-ass van. Yeah. In the 70s, that wasn't creepy because it had just started. Okay, so somebody's going to come in and go, everybody out, out of the pool. And they're all going to leave like sheep. Oh, right. Oh, and then they're going to beat up on David. See, David claims this is his pool because his father gave the money to make the pool. So he's like, not David, um, Bruce. So he's like. David's new. New to him. Everybody out. So now this is uh, his first attempt. David's first attempt to say, come on, we need to do something about these guys. And, you know, Spoonie's like, me, little old me, look, I'm in, I'm in TV shows. I, I, I'm i going to have this gig called Revenge of the Nerds, but that's years away. I can't. That's years from now. I got to do tag first. I got to be on my brother's kung fu show. Right. I like Keith Carradine. I, I know we've done other films with him mm -hmm. uh, where he was in there, but he just seems like the funniest Carradine. Hostage Hotel. We just did. We didn't quite. Yeah, play. that's right. That's yeah. right. The Bruce, uh, the the Burt, the Burt Reynolds movie. Now here's my dad without a car because they fucked up his car, and he sees Dave and he associates David with the bullies. 
So David's like, come on, man. I give you a lift to school, dude. Everything's cool. He's like, yeah, I wrote his car. I don't know. You fucked up my car. By the way, this is David's real car in real life. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no seatbelts, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. No, there weren't seatbelts. David was, his real name is Daryl Morey. And he did a lot, a lot of TV. Happy Days and WKRP in Cincinnati. And of course, eight is enough. A lot of TV. Oh, One day yeah, right. But that kind of dried up. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I wish I could interview him because in 81, that was like his last TV thing. And he went away. Now, he was with the Nick, Nick Nolte in a film called Who Will Stop the Rain. But again, that was 78. Right. So, That's an old movie. Now, in 2009, he was in Hobgoblins 2, and he was in Wasteland in 2011. I mean, he's still around, but something changed. He uh... Interesting. Yeah, you I mean, he seems like a lot. Chachi, why did he go away? <laughs> oh, he was in season four of Joni Loves Chachi? How come <laughs> no one saw that? <laughs> When he was a kid, he was in TV commercials. <clears throat> he used to fight with his brother, so his father sent him to stunt school, and he will use some of that skills, actually stunt coordinating a, a scene in this film. Was, who, that's probably how he got this car. He was like, stunt man union. Okay, give him the cool car. Oh, no, there's yeah. his car. This, that's Bruce who showed up in the cool car. Okay, you saw a, pretty cool. a red a red. Yeah, car. yeah. Yeah. Now, this is so funny. We haven't seen a single adult, but in all movies, when even when they have high school kids with adults, the, the parking lot is always filled with kids. Like, kids have, like, a, a sweet-ass car or a sweet-ass van. Right. Like, you're a fucking junior in high school. <laughs> you don't really have your own car, right? Yeah, all these guys are in their 20s, and they're playing high school kids. Uh it, it, we're suspending disbelief. Now, we, David... We went to the same high school, right? Did you have friends that would park in the student parking lot? Yes. Really? What do you mean? I just think it's weird that, like, kids had their own cars. Like, so many that they had to have, like, a parking lot for kids. My son tried... Well, they're in college now, but they used to drive their cars to high school. And where were they parked? On the street? Or they in had the like a parking lot? In the student lot. The student lot. Yeah, listen, just join the middle class here, pal. It's, a, it's really quite common. <laughs> I mean, you know. Okay, so listen, 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 listen. You're, you're yapping. It's like we've blown past right. so much. There's a fight at the library. Oh, be know? quiet for a minute now. David showed up with the Jeep with uh, with Rodney, who they fucked up his car, and then he pats him on the back and walks by him. He's really saying, I'm not with you guys anymore. That's it. Okay? And then, <laughs> eight is enough, girl, and Joan Jed girl were walking by, and they're like, we need to teach those broads a lesson. They're all snooty. So there's plans for them, too. Okay? And now we do arrive at the library and they're just fucking with the library and throwing the books on them. It's just sort right. of believable in the real world. And like you said, where are the teachers? Where are the parents? Where are the adults? Where is the faculty? Look at this guy. Oh, yeah, he's right. He would go on to write a great uh, book about acting, apparently, that uh, that. Uh, David thinks every actor should have on a shelf. 
So he's like, oh, well, I'm help yeah. That. He goes, I'm going to help that guy. And Mark is like, come on, man. Look, they're already on to you. You're, you're, you're not one of the click. You better get, you know, they're just having strife between the two of them. Are you with us or without us? You know, I read that guy's acting book. It was actually, it was called Massacre of Central High uh, Acting. The Don'ts and Don'ts of Acting. <laughs> the book drop with your pinky raised in the air. The Don'ts and Don'ts <laughs> of Acting. Don't. And also don't. Oh, how am I going to alphabetize this? <laughs> no. The, would you, what is uh, that? What is Dewey that? Dewey Decibel. Number, the, what's... Can you read what, that? 800? Uh, is that literature? Seven. What is that? That's uh, comic books? 14 dots. Of course, they all came off the same bookshelf. He'll have no problem. But what's right. happening here is David is doing what he did with Spoonie, um, <clears throat> with this guy named Arthur. And he's saying, look, we can let's fight these guys. Let's beat these guys. And you're like, I I'm a sheep. <laughs> this guy, Arthur, he, his name is Dennis Court. He was on... Like all of them, early TV, Sanford and Son, Walton, Swiss Family Robinson, Rhoda, MASH, It Is Enough, oh. Fantasy Island, and that's it. Well, I mean, he seems like a perfect MASH guy, right? Like, he'll be on a stretcher, and he'll be like, well, I, or no, he'll be in the cot, and the, you know, hey, father, father, can I, uh, you think I'll ever, oh, I don't know, son, right? Yeah. Or do you think? Right. No, he was on one episode. I'm sure he had some bit part. Now, here's the girls that they want to straighten out, right? And they're so snobby. And we're about to have the most horrific, horrible scene ever. You see the guy on the left? He's an Israeli. And he was a heartthrob. He was in Playgirl. He used to dance for Chippendales. See that guy wow. there with the chin, the blonde one? He, yeah, right. He's a therapist. He, he, like the others, had an early TV career. <clears throat> okay, this is just more boyfriend and girlfriend strife. I'm getting tired of this bullying thing, and I want out. But I don't want out because I love you, Mark. But meanwhile, what's going on upstairs is they're going to rape those girls. Look at oh, that. Oh, is he trying to distract his girlfriend while they do that? No. He, I don't, I don't he doesn't think know about he it. understands that it's a rape. And she's like, why are you pulling my arm? Let go. And he goes, come with me and hang out. Let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. And she's like, I'm, I just, I like you. I just want to go home. So he's like, fine. And by the way, your friends aren't such snobs anymore. They're partying with Bruce and, and Craig. She was like, uh -huh, party. Partying. And then she party. goes back. Yeah. What, party. a second floor bathroom? <laughs> Man. Right by right, so she's, she's like, wait a minute, I can't get a ride. But wait, what did he say? All right, so she's well, gonna... her big deal was Friday the thirteenth. That that was her. That's what. That's she a pretty good big thing. Yeah. Ooh, you know, I would sue her for being such a negligent uh, camp counselor. Okay, you see this horrific, horrific thing? They're pulling her. Yeah, right out here. <clears throat> And they're making eight is enough Lania O'Grady watch. And then, so Teresa comes in all swarming. And he's like, I'm waiting for my friends. Will this take long? She's really handling it. You know what I mean? 
Right. She's not afraid at all. She's poisoned. He goes, look, if it wasn't for Mark, I would beat the hell out of you. Get off of me, Bruce. Get out of here before. I'm just kidding. You're Mark's girlfriend, but get out of here. Right. Wow, there's, some, there's a hall monitor. Well, no, it's David. David's going to catch uh, what's going on. He's going to straighten this shit out right now. He stunt choreographed this or stunt coordinated this whole fight. He, he, he fight doctorated? Right. Ow, I'm hitting the nose. Listen, I'm a fight doctor and I fought doctored many a scene before. Mike, what is that joke? He's, say, he's talking like a caveman. Okay, you see that punch? He's real proud of it. And he's going to get knocked over. He's proud of that one, too. I read two interviews with this guy, and he talks about yeah. it. Yeah. Ow! Really? Hey, Carl, didn't you say that they break, like, the guy gets hurt, physically hurt, and they, they keep the scene going? Look at those. Yeah, you see your boobs? I did. I said, look at those. Okay, now... They're going to get put away her boobs, okay? And that's important for a continuity error, which I think is pretty major later. Look, okay, her boobs are put away now, see? Right, okay, okay. so what's the continuity error? Her boobs see. are put away, all right? Boobs are put away. Okay, so, so far the continuity is accurate. Okay. What could possibly change it? Okay, now watch. Boobs are out, and she's in public. She wouldn't button up. Oh my God! In public. Damn. She would go on to be a heroin addict and die. Did you wow. see that? Leap? That's like a Ferris Bueller joke right there. Yeah. Now look, where is he going? He's going after uh, Teresa, who kind of stormed really? out. Yeah. David what he did was beat the shit out of the bullies for the first time ever. He, he went in on the situation and it was he stopped it like a cop and he beat the crap out of them. Right. But so but that's not technically a massacre, even though it was Central High. Look at her cool car, man. It's a convertible beetle. Beep beep. Oh, it's gorgeous. These these convertibles are perfect for this location. Look how California, right? It, well, yeah, I mean that's the that's the vibe you get. Boom Mike. Boom Mike top right. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I thought you meant when she was walking. The director never saw this film in the because of the music. He refused to watch it. He hated the music so much. He never watched it. He'd go to film festivals, talk to right. everyone, be everywhere, and then they would say, "Ladies and gentlemen, the film." And he would get up and like go outside to the parking lot and hang out, and smoke pot, and go back in when it was done. He was like, this movie is about a massacre using bombs. And now my movie, speaking of bombs, I will be outside while this movie plays. Because it's a bomb? Yeah, the movie was a bomb, wasn't it? The movie was like a grindhouse movie. You know what I mean? It went to the horror film things. Drive-ins this... and such. It did yeah. it. You mentioned horror film. Is this movie scary yet? Not yet. All right. Oh, this guy's creepy. Yeah, he's hurt. He, he's, oh, there's the van. Look, they got, like, lawn furniture in the van. They're all hurt after getting their asses kicked. Do you see his shirt is oh, off? Oh, yeah. They're all, they're all worn out in the back of the van with their shirts off. Now, the guy with the shirt off, his daughter would go on to be in the Olympics. It's a kind of big deal. Um, let's see, what is it? Um, uh, 
American Israeli Olympic show jumping rider. So it's horses. She wow. competes for Israel. Her name's Ashley Bond. His name's Steve Bond, but it's not. It's Shlomo Goldberg, but his name is Steve Bond. Um, and he's from Haifa in Israel. He was in Tarzan the Jungle Boy in 68, and but he was in Playgirl in 75, and that really launched him. And right. had to in 80, he had to go do his military time. He was a daytime actor on General Hospital for years. He did a bare-chested pinup poster in 84 that was sold a lot. He was a Chippendales guy. He did some that, bad films, gas pump girls, you know. Uh-huh. That's a good film. What are you talking about? Sorry. It really, it's, a, it's an interesting character portrayal. Don't, please don't find out if that's on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know why I want to save myself from that film. Any film you give me, I'm going to have to endure. But this, I'm not going to look a good plot. You know, I saw a movie title, I think I was, uh, on a streaming service called, like, Bikini Island Car Wash. And I'm like, you know... You could at least pretend it's like a real location, you know. Bikini Island. And it used to be you could just say Springfield Car Wash, and it's applied, right. and you're like, you know, I can't wait to see this, but just flat out bikini party. Car, you know? Ski party. You don't have to say. <laughs> okay, so Steve Harvey Comics. He's, okay, so they're in the van going, we're going to fuck him up. And then Mark right. goes, wait a minute, you dummies. This guy just beat your ass. Don't you think he'd be more valuable with us? It's like, he never wants to be with us. He goes, let me talk to him. I mean, they were like, he has a point. Like, okay, he kicked our ass. But now he sees his girlfriend and David skinny dipping. Yeah, right. Which is definitely a... Uh... That means your relationship is over, right? Like skinny dipping crosses the block. Oh, we just went skinny, skinny dipping. We're not going to see their relationship's not going to end. He's going to have weird emotions and he's going to go back to the van and say, I, I talked to him and he's not in. But it isn't like because he wants him to get beat up. I don't know. It's weird. <clears throat> also, they're not. Like Teresa admits to him later, I asked him to make love to me and he refused because of you. So that means Teresa was going to cheat and they're still boyfriend and girlfriend. Like it's no problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He auditioned for uh, Han Solo in 75. He didn't get it. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, Chewie, what are the. Uh, now, this is the scene in which shit gets real and things change for David. Oh, I should mention that car audition for American Graffiti. <laughs> Look at the Star Trek. I, yeah. Star oh, Trek. He was trying, he was being friends with Rodney uh, saying, Look, let me help you fix your car and stuff. Now they're like, come out here and get beat like a man and you won't come out. You know, he he actually auditioned for Rodney. That's the part, and they gave him the lead. Now look, oh, he's gonna be the Jack, Ooh. and it hurts him ah. so bad. Really fucks up his legs. His one Ooh, leg. No, no more running ah. for this guy. Protecting no, passing out from pain. That, you know that's painful. We well, you know what it is like. Your, your fear of like if something really painful happens, how am I going to react? 
and you watch some movies shot in California where the guy like passes out of pain. You're like, no problem. I can handle that. I, I'll just pass out in pain. And then I'll yeah. cut to the next scene. The guy who wrote the acting book included that. Oh, right. The don'ts and don'ts of acting. <laughs> yeah. What I learned on the set of uh, Massacre in Central High. Now, all we're learning here is David refuses to see them. He won't let them into the hospital room with, you know, he can't see, you know. Now, look, this is funny. David showed up to audition for Rodney. He walks in. There's the director. He's from Holland with this thick accent. Right. <clears throat> and he's, oh, there are the only two in the building. And he goes, I, he goes, how's it going? And he's not from America. So he didn't go fine because he doesn't know that expression. And he goes, how's it going? Terrible. He said, I have to cast 15 parts. And so, so David, which is his real name's um, Daryl, he, he said, he was just being a mensch. He said, you know, he read the script. It took him about an hour. He gave him a bunch of names of people who were his friends, who he knew from TV and such, you know, good actors. And so the next day he read for the part of Rodney, which he had researched, so that which is stupid. So the next day, okay, we're gonna beat up your car. Look sad. So the <laughs> next day the director calls him at home and goes, I want you to play the lead. And David goes, Did you talk to my agent? And he goes, No. And he goes, Well, call her and hung up the phone. It's weird, right? So well, he, maybe he's, it's a, is that professional? Like you would want to hear it from, he, he, he wants to get paid, right? He, so the agent calls him back right away and goes, did you just hang up on a director offering you the lead? He goes, yeah, I didn't expect that. I was shot. I was stunned. He goes, well, call him back right now. And she slammed the phone down. So she, he called, you know, it, it's just funny. What ended up happening is he would help and do everything on the set. They became fast friends, him, the director, and the director's wife. He would go over to their rented house in Holiday, Hollywood Hills like every day and even the nights. He practically lived there. They became fast friends for life. Weird. Now, here's so this movie. Back after this three movie's this movie's like a launching pad for everything but the movies, like friendships, CGI, yeah. mm -hmm. acting books, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, TV movies, that TV shows that took place uh, from 1974 to 1981. So you can see he's got a hurt leg, okay? And basically, right. like, I want to thank you for not ratting us out. You never told anything, you know. Well, he's like, well, I'm not a squealer. You see, David's changed now. Look how the film stock has brightened. You I think it's because he changed? <laughs> no. I see the change real screen, too. Oh, the change real, right, yeah. You can tell David's changed because there's a big circle above his head. <laughs> it's a halo. Right. They, then they have to change the real. Okay. Here's step one of the new David, okay? No longer a convertible driver. Look at Paul, he's so proud of his van and he's so proud of his chin. You could hear the dog in there. Oh, look at that bum leg. Yeah. You know, that's, thank God he wears bell bottoms because they're a lot easier to put but on. Look what he's doing. He's cutting the gas line. No, wait, what's it called? He's that's cutting what I the thought too. The brake line, right? Is that what That's they do? What in the I thought too. But he's not. It was on the hang glider. Right. Oh, the, 
wait a minute. Well, okay. In the early scene, he goes, what do you want to do? Let's drive around and show David the place. Hey, let's go hang gliding. Let's go surfing. Right. So they introduce that they hang glide. Hey, and, and student parking lots, student lots, do you like leave your, your hand, your uh, wind sailing shit on top of the roof? If you're a rich guy from Burbank, California, if you're from, yeah, you do. I mean, that's ridiculous. You, I mean, you in second period, someone would steal your fucking wind jammies. I mean. <laughs> Look how big it is, though. Look at wind jammy. I'm wind jamming. Look at that, man. Wind jamming. What's so is this is when you, it's like when you fold a paper airplane. That's really right. going on here. Oh, I know. It's it's a bare minimum of safety in there. But he cut the wire of, of this guy's hang wind jamming. Yeah. Hang glider. Wind jamming. Wind jamming. Is it? A hang glider. Called wind jamming? Wind jamming? Wind jamming. Oh, jam no, you're right. It's a hand glider. So is this so he cut the wire or the oh. hand glider? I'm not answering Wait. that question, Mike. <laughs> but, what, yes, but what's the yes, result? Yes, yes, he did. Okay, so but what's the wire mean? Like he can't turn left, he can't hit the brakes, he can't turn the don't do not explode single? Yeah, the do not explode signal. Oh no, the do not explode signal has been cut off. I'm going to explode. <laughs> Whatever could that wire do? He can't right turn. He can't left turn. He can't press the do not explode button. <laughs> he's that due. Look, what he's going to do. What, okay, what that wire was leading to was the do not get electrocuted button. And he's, what do you mean? He, it was leading to the do not get electrocuted button and he snipped the wire. That means electrocution is imminent. He was it Nostradamus. How did the fuck did he predict this would happen? <laughs> well, he, he changed in the hospital. Right, but Carl, like, did he have a premonition? Was it like that Christopher Walken movie, Dead Zone, where he gets like shake hands and he's like, see, "We don't see the scene." Oh no, what's wrong? Huh. Oh, his, oh, the oh, electrocuted button. Oh, I don't get electrocuted button. <laughs> Oh, my mannequin. Is this the death of mannequin too? There's oh. Sylvester Stallone, dead. Frank Stallone. Yeah, that's Frank oh. Stallone. Okay, now look. This yeah, I'm looking Teresa with her beautiful knockers. And she is with Mark. They were not witness to... Wait, but they were wit... I, okay, this doesn't make sense because Mark just right. saw his friend die. You know what I mean? Like, this scene is, has no purpose. They weren't in some relationship thing that led up to it. They're just doing it on the beach. With a fireplace. So their friend died, you're saying. So they're like, let's fuck on the beach. Okay, I'll get some fire up driftwood, uh, and we'll light up a torch, and then and we'll have sex. You see how they roll? Ah, tacky. Rookie. Rookie move on the beach. <laughs> With all the sand in the crack of your butt. Yeah. Rookie move. A lot of sandwiches, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what a witch. Sand crack. Oh, meanwhile, the high school at night. Now, he's got to poop real bad, but he's holding it in. No, he has a bum leg. Don't you remember they oh, dropped the car? Oh, 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 oh. Because I've been there before. Are you sure? Like, you stiffen up. 
Look, he's what do you do? do you... Oh, no, he's not. Ooh, janitor. Craig, pool closed. The janitor? That's a that's an adult. We finally. Okay, so, uh... Yeah, that's right. The handwriting of an adult appears in the film. <laughs> we will see adults in the very last segment. He's about to go to five office. Okay, what he learned was the pool's going to be closed. Okay, that's what he learned. Now, in the real world, you know, a janitor wouldn't write to Craig. You, you see, Bruce is dead now. Craig's father made the pool. I don't know why he would get a little He keeps bringing it up, Craig. What an asshole. Yeah. I get it. Your father would be a... Who made the locker rooms, Craig said. I could fill this pool with money and swim in it. Shut up, Craig. Shut up, Scrooge McCraig. David cut the lights so Craig can't see, and he's about to dive. Into uh, a pool full of gold coins. But David cut the do not drain the pool button. Jesus. <laughs> do not drain the pool. Look at this, the triple Lindy. I'm dying. I'm a stuntman. Oh, no. Oh, I know the shell's a splatter. No water. That's right. They don't. It's really cheap. Well, it was pretty impressive. You got to see a guy shirtless, uh, buff guy, do slow motion, death dive. Okay. Now, I don't see it happen, okay? But Mark elbows a guy in the nose, and it breaks his nose. Uh, oh, yeah. It's Rodney. See right. Rodney there on the right? Uh, yeah. My dad? He's supposed to get elbowed in the nose by Mark, but I never see it happen. But it but it, it hurts. It breaks his nose in real life. Right now. Right now. Oh, the camera moved. <laughs> see? Look. Broken. Look, it's broken. That, right? Wait. Right there? Watch for it. No. Oh. Nope. See, it didn't happen. The internet claims he got real life hurt. Oh, that guy got hurt. And um, you see his nose is broken throughout. Okay, never mind. Screw you, Internet. Hey, wait. So it's, what is this? Next, this is the afternoon or next morning? Are they, do they okay. close the school? See, that's the thing. It doesn't make any sense in the real world. You've had a student die in a hang gliding accident. There's no counselors or like. No. Now you've had a guy die on the school grounds. You would have it roped off. You'd have cops. You'd have. But no, they're just like. It's like that movie we saw, Concord Seven, Concord Seventy Nine. Like, yeah. they would shoot missiles at the plane. They said they would go, they would land and go. Woo! That was a close one. Okay, come on, We're on <laughs> London. You know, they just keep flying. Wow, that was. Well, cool. You would figure the other rich sports would be nervous, like polo team would cancel, and the uh, lacrosse team would cancel, and the the, the skiers would cancel. It's not yeah, a sports yeah. murderer. Well, only rich sports like hand gliding and uh, polo. Okay. So my dad owns a pool. What happens now is they're all hanging out and they're talking about like what's going on. Bruce died, then Craig died. The bullies are going away. So the two remaining bullies, Mark and Paul, show up, and he Paul goes, "Break it up, okay? Everybody scatter!" And they just <laughs> ignore what he says. They just ignore him. 
So David's like, why don't you fuck off, Paul? And Mark's like, come on, David, let's come on, Paul, let's fuck off. So see, things are changing now. And they're like, David, yeah. Yay. We appreciate it. Now, David still has to poop very badly. It's a constipation. Now You can tell by the way he walks. Yeah. Because I've been there before. You stiffen up. Now, he snipped the what, wire of the hang glider. It, it's smooth sailing for like very several scenic scenes. Just when he goes over the electrical wire, that's when the hang glider falls apart due to the cut wire. Because there was no do not electrocute. If he would have sailed right over that safely, had he not snipped that wire. Okay. Um, now it's really weird. It doesn't make sense in the real world. Uh, Paul was like. Come on, Mark, we're the only bullies left. We got to double down here. It's like as if they're supporting an, an empire that's crumbling. You know what I mean? It doesn't oh, make yeah. any sense. Now, well, you know, it's the moose versus the jugheads. So you got you to gotta keep the war going. No, it's, it doesn't. Okay, there's no jugheads. Okay, there's only meese. All right. So if this, now, if this is high school, yeah. Teresa's like, why won't you talk to me, David? And David's like, just forget about me. I mean, he's changed, you know? Right, he's changed. Now, if this was saved by the bell, who would be Zach and who would be Slater? I, on purpose, never watched that show, so I don't know the character. Uh, I know, because it's so stupid. Like, nowadays, we look back at it and laugh like it's retro fun. But if you watch the show, it was painful. Well, then what it was was, you know how, like, high school, you, you kind of watch shows about high school to see what high school is about, and you kind of yeah. project yourself. And yeah. sometimes it's wish fulfillment, and sometimes it's fantasy. The the kids from Saved by the Bell were, like, so popular, and mm-hmm. literally no one else existed other than them. And uh, yeah. you get, it wasn't like Archie where they were popular kids. They were, like, mega Archie. Like, they were super, super cool, all of them, you know. Like even Dustin Diamond, like Dustin Diamond was chosen as Screech, you know, it was just like, we like to hang out with Screech, but it was just like, you know, there was no balance to it whatsoever. They were just like the super popular California high school kids. I know the name Screech, I don't know, Dustin Diamond or whatever he was, uh, Dusty Diamond. He he, he was the actor and uh, he passed away recently. Now, listen, I don't understand. Why would Paul be out there surfing? I mean, two of his friends have died. You know I what I mean? It. And, it's and, a rich sport. That's why. Let's go to the beach and surf, and we can remember our friends. He's not even sad. That Israeli had buns of steel, and he's gone. It's like we got to remember our friends who died in freak uh, athletic sports. Uh-huh. I don't have time. I got to go surfing during the wind, during, you know. I think it's weird. Yeah, I'm with you. Why why is Mark have three nipples? Up oh, now it's, it's gone continuity. He has a chest wound, Carl. See that? That's a third that's a uh, nubbin. It's a nipple. He's got no, a it's nubbin. it's gangrene. Oh. It's a zombie. No wait, it's uh he's been dead for two days. Don't his feet hurt a specific I'm not going to say which ocean that is because I don't want to get too Pacific, but um, oh. <laughs> yeah, whale, whale on the beach. He gained 30 minutes into this movie. Oh. 
My agent told me I'll get the role of Orca if I show up in this film. Spoonie would go on. Robert Carradine would go on to do Orca. Yeah, I like Orca. I remember Orca. The Jaws ripoff? I never saw it. I saw it on TV. I think it was either Channel 11 or maybe like NBC had Orca. Wait a second. Are you sure that wasn't Mork and Mindy? Because he was from Orca. He was from Orc. Yeah. No, no, this was Orca. It now, was about Lady Planet. Now, look, here is a physical thing that happens. Paul gets into his van like a dummy, and David clubs him on the head. The door closes by magic. Right. Well, I never liked this van at all. Good. It's going bye-bye right now. Look at David pushing Wait, it. Are you saying Van Gogh? Yes. This is a great work of art. It's a Van Gogh. <laughs> Should I steal that for the open mic? That's uh, yeah, not even worth driving over no, to. No, it's not. I'm trying to come up with some material. Listen, if you don't give me any material tonight, I'm going to have to go down to Joanne Fabrics because I need material. Do you guys have Joanne Fabrics in California? No, but that's a great joke. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of Joanne Fabrics. I think we have uh, Hobby Lobby Fabrics. Yeah. No, we have uh, Michael's <laughs> Art and Fabric uh, Outlet. Unfortunately for Paul, they have a big stock of ketchup in the back of the van, and it's spilling all over the place. It's yucky. Oh, is he going to die by van? Mm-hmm. Whoa, the cameraman's like, let's let's have some fun before you die. Run around. Help, I'm on a... I'm on a van. Go. Whoa, you can, now, look you, at this whoa. production value. They spent money here. I was going to say, the director's like, my van, cut and see. Now, my watch van, how bad it cuts away. Whoa. Is that the explosion he put in there? Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we don't see what he does in the van, but he's not known for explosions yet. So this is how he killed that guy, right? He uh, bonked him on the head, threw him in the van, and then drove the van or jumped out of the van or pushed the van down the hill? push it. No, he pushed it. There's David. Hey, what did I miss? Yeah, Isn't it well, weird that I'm never here when Superman's around? But it, no, they don't play it that way. David's not like, what are you talking about, man? I'm just walking Ventura Highway. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he, you know, he says, what's going on, man? You've changed. And he goes, you just forget about me. They, they had it coming kind of thing. We want to hear this. What are you doing inside the Pacific Coast uh, Highway after the murder? I got an alibi. I'm searching for uh, loose change. See? Beep, 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 beep. I was whale watching. Did you see him? Did you see him? We called him work. Oh, I missed it. I missed it. I just wanted to show you that this film is horribly acted, but it has a really interesting plot. And you keep yeah. watching it. Beside- Look, I've seen this thing five times now. This is my fifth. Because yes, I have to. And <clears throat> I got to tell you that they're going like, are you sad? Yes, I do feel sad. Want to go to the beach? No, I'll just go home. It's terrible acting. But the plot is like, what's he, who's he going to kill next? What's he, you know, and the way he's like talking to people. And you're going to see that more's going to develop. 
now, like, the, people think there's a vacuum of bullies in the school, and they're like, we could be the bully. They just take a poop, man. Just, they have medicine for it. Just sit, look at his, look at his big balls. He's, like, he's, he's not looking for the bathroom, he's looking for the skipper. Gilligan? <laughs> he just needs the hat. Yeah. I'm here to play Mork and Mindy and uh, Popeye. Oh, there's Carradine. Yeah. So, so the Carradines, it was three brothers that act, and their father was an actor, right? Is that, right. is that the story? Yeah, the story is the father was the known actor, and thus his children, you know, I don't know if he pulls strings, but they followed in his footsteps, and they were received because they knew the father lots of times. Oops. It's a library. Stop yeah, bitching. Guys, it's a library. Well, look at that. He's got it, the script being read to him in the ear. Or is that like a like portable phone? <laughs> Here goes Oscar. Now that the bullies are dead, they're all his friends. Are they not fucking with him either? No. Hey, like, let's stab you for fun. It's like a nice thing. Loves Shiv. I don't have the history in front of me of what the father was in that made him famous. Right, no, no. The one brother went on to do the Kung Fu series. He was like the golden boy. Um, right. We saw him in that... Uh, Kill Bill. Right. I guess we didn't see it on this film. But um, Carradine, uh, Spoonie, Robert Carradine, really came up behind because he was in Revenge of the Nerds, and that was bigger than... Carradine had gotten, you know what I mean? So he became yeah. one. <clears throat> and then you got the third brother, you know what I mean? Keith? Is it Keith Carradine? Wait, there's Kev? Keith was the one that we saw in Heart, uh, Heartbreak Hotel. Hostage Hotel. Hostage Hotel. Yeah. Hard time through Hostage Hotel. Hard directed time. by Alan Smithy. No, I think like... This food fight was for no reason. There was no reason to have a food anarchy. fight. Anarchy. It's anarchy now that the bullies are gone. It's anything goes. That is it. Yeah, I get it. This movie speaks my language, man. Finally, a, a high school massacre movie that speaks to me. So they're like, sit with us. Uh, look at how dumb Mary's acting with her head all bobbing. She was, uh, like I said, she was a singer with Joan Jett. That was her bad thing. But she, that was her good thing. But she was in movies. She was in Logan's Run as Screamer Party Girl. Oh, right. She must have did that when she was young, under 30. She was in Heart to Heart as Woman. Oh, yeah? Her position? That wasn't her own. She went on to be with Cheech and Chong, though. That was her big days. She was in Up in Smoke as Laughing Lady. Huh. Mm-hmm. Was it, was the laughing lady with the Clorox lady? Remember, there was a woman who sucked, no, uh, who snorted the fake coke. Yeah, no, that no, wasn't her. That's your shit. Chong just sat there. Look, they loved her, Cheech and Chong. She went in on in '81 to be in Nice Dreams as Blondie Group Number One. Oh, they must have been buying ice cream. Was she buying? Ice? Oh, so was she in a bikini? Uh, she was Blondie Group Number One. So oh, that's in the script, that's a, okay. now you see this is David's house, okay? And yeah, it's sort of like it's a ridiculous. Thing. So she came over to go, 
are you going to kill Mark? Please don't kill Mark. I don't want you to kill Mark. And he goes, Teresa, you're safe. And she's like, yeah, but Mark. And he goes, no, Mark is safe. Can I tell him that? Also, the director, he would always go over to the director's house. But one time the director came over to his house, which he was living in a garage, and he had made a loft. And he goes, oh, it's David's apartment. I casted David. Damn, God, this director seems like all over the place. I mean, God bless him. I don't don't think this is a bad movie. You know, it's a movie. He made it. Yeah. Well, he would go on to do movies. He was for real. Um, he came, He was first with, like I said, he's a Dutch writer and director, but he was a protege of Russ Meyer, who we saw in Candy, 1968, the director. Yeah, sure. He always did sexy, sexy movies. Um, and let's see, he did the punk rock musical Population One. What is that? He did Habitat. Oh, I just, you know... Wait a minute, Carl, I just saw that movie on YouTube, Population One. How weird. Yeah, he did that in 1986. Oh, uh, 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 I saw YouTube alert, Carl. What? You, what? Population One is on YouTube. Oh, okay. All right. I'll do it. You're the boss. You're the boss. Well, maybe we'll do it in two weeks. I, I already have a movie set for this week. Okay, the punk rock musical. Will that translate well on YouTube? I'll, we've got to check it out. Yeah, sure. Is oh, it, right. As long as it's not American Idiot, I'm okay with it. Is it Green Day punk rock musical? <laughs> okay, what happened there is <clears throat> the librarian went to David and he said, there's a power vacuum in the school. We could fill it. And I'm a smart person, so it doesn't need to be thuggery and stupidity. Consider it, David. We can rule the school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what with my brains and you killing doing. people. David, with my brains and you're killing people, we could rule this school. Now he's they're gonna do it right now. Spoonie, Mary, and eight is enough, James. Yeah. They're yeah. going to say, look. Power vacuum, we can rule the school. And David is just disgusted with it. Lonnie O'Grady died, man. She died in a trailer park. It wasn't pretty, you know. What? Really? Yeah, she she uh she quit acting and she became like a, a casting direct casting person. But I don't know. She she had lots of problems. She had panic attacks, she was doing drugs all the time, uh, she was diagnosed. And she had agoraphobia, which is funny if she's in a trailer park, right? You can't go outside. Man, she must have been restricted. One room. Uh, Let's see. How did she die? Here it is. Uh, Toxic levels of the painkiller Vicodin and the antidepressant Prozac in her bloodstream. Uh, She died of multiple drug intoxication. The coroner was unable to determine if their death was accident or suicide. So it's bad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, I, told, I told you those guys were like power vacuum this and that, right? But here's right. Rodney. Rodney now owns the dead kid's car because the parents couldn't stand to look at it. So his junkie car has been replaced by Starsky and Hutch car, and he's real conceited about it. And he goes and bosses or uh, bullies this person in the lot, lot uh, in the car park in front of David. 
It's bad. He's like a smarmy asshole. Is your YouTube fucking up or is that TV? No, I think it, I think it was uh, TV. A I think it was TV, bro. In the Matrix. I'm sure you're right because that does not look like an interrupt, internet disruption. That's a 1970s disruption. Well, it must be on video. Yeah, was this thing released in video? It must have been, or we wouldn't be watching it, I guess. I mean, honest to God, I thought this was an after-school special. You, when you, uh, this was recommended by one of our listeners. God bless, Jill. Uh, on I give her props in one second. You see, he threw a rock through. Uh, yeah. Mark's car. Well, that's, He's really. It was. There was a dog inside the car, and he didn't want him to suffocate. Oh, that's great. In the convertible. In the convertible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's give a shout-out to Jill Duncan. She made a great suggestion, right? Yes, that's this movie. This is great. Yeah, it's exactly what we want. She knows so the show well. He really has got to take a shit, Carl. He really does. He's constipated so she knows the show well she knows the kinds of movies we watch and this was a really a gem yeah i mean nothing like a high school full of 20 year olds <laughs> oh look at this yeah there's More a power vacuum i'm a what i'm i'm oh great you're gonna bully me everyone's bullying each other you see did you ever see that after school special where this guy uh, gets pushed in the hallway? No. Is that the way? Is that your brother? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> your brother was the pusher. Yeah, he was in an after school special they shot in our high school and he got to push the bully in the hallway, shove him with his shoulder. What, what if I'm gay? What if I'm, it's okay to be gay, I think it was called. Yeah. <laughs> what if I'm gay? We've actually watched that movie with another movie. After school special shot in the same high school, our high school. That's Riverdale. a great episode. It's a Montclair double feature, and it includes Montclair, New Jersey. It includes an interview, right? Proudly resents clip in which we made an appearance about that film. Oh yeah, well we did that for uh, proudly. My brother, my brother Adam Spiegelman has a podcast called Proudly Resents, and it has actually like a great collection of interviews and movie reviews and uh, a lot of famous people, a lot of room interviews, including the man who really directed the room. Wait, but, maybe, uh, I'm wrong. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just he appeared on the episode with us, right? Yeah, he appeared. We, we got him as a guest on our show. It was Sir Billy that we... the. That's the, what I was going to get to, yeah. We watched uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery's last movie was an animated film called Sir Billy. He did not play a Billy Goat. That was the Alan right. Cummings. That's right. That was Alan Cummings. Okay, now we've just seen David mixing up gunpowder or something. Right. How does he know that shit? Okay, I know but, how to stab. But I don't, take think a gun, stab. I don't think it was gunpowder because there's about to be a murder here. A massacre? Yeah, well, 10 people die in this film. That's a That's a bloody massacre. Look, he can't hear, so he's putting in his hearing aid, and then he dies. Turns it on. Okay. He goes, whammy jammy! Oh, oh wow. There's Those ketchup in his strong. ear. Who put ketchup in his, who put syrup in his? There's syrup. It's 
Oh, this isn't maple. That's it's the fake shit. The oh. butter store brand. Listen, I just checked that book out. I, I'm not going to pay for the damages. So maybe when David was concocting some sort of poison or something. Ew! Really blew that guy's ear out. Maybe it's not safe. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch Stand by. Boom! Holy shit! That was cool. Now, in real life, that explosion was much stronger than they expected, and it knocked yeah, out no, completely. Listen. Yeah, it, one of the cat, one of the um, uh, crew who helped set up the pyrotechnics was knocked out, and other people. Oh, I mean, wow. their, their hearing. There were problems. Yeah, no, that was a huge explosion inside that hallway. Now, now's the time to close the school, right? Nope. Well, nah. Well, they said now's the time to clean the swimming pool at least. Yeah, right. So Spoonie is like, the heat's on too much. People are dying around here. We got to get out of here. The librarian's dead, and the so Mary's like, let's go somewhere and hang out until this blows over. So they're gonna go right. camping. Wait, were they going hang, uh, hang gliding? <laughs> right. No, no, no. <laughs> They're going camping, but it's just as camping. stupid as the hang gliding. You'll see. Wait, so does this mean we're at Act Three, uh, hiking? Now, camping? what Rodney does? We're not. We're we're in Act Two right now. Rodney punches the guy who nice. wrote the acting book. Now, watch. Rodney gets into his Starsky and Hutch car. He didn't dive through right. the window, which was something you did in the seventies. Kapow. Whoa, that Pinto is unsafe, Pearl. <laughs> so David oh. is now killing people. Here's Mary naked yep. again. Mary also had yep. a terrible death. Um, <clears throat> she died in 2002 of complications from liver disease and hepatitis after being addicted to heroin for two decades, 20 years. Yikes. Yeah. She was yeah. an actress and a musician. She was in a number of exploitation films. Um, <clears throat> Lamora, Caged Heat in 74. This one. Okay, now look, you see her boobs, right? Oh, uh, yes, affirmative. Let me just keep watching. Now, look, she discovers dynamite. What? Why would there be dynamite at this campsite? Yeah, okay, I'll buy why. Right. So she goes, Spoonie, look. Now look, Lanny O'Grady's naked. Spoonie's zipping up. They were obviously just doing it. And Spoonie's like, what is that, dynamite? I don't know what it is. Just forget about it. Forget it. Now look, you can't toss dynamite, right? Do you know about dynamite? You must be careful with it. You can't just toss it because if it makes a spark inside of itself, it will blow. Wait a minute. So if I'm going camping with naked women... Right. And we find a piece of dynamite. Right. You shouldn't just toss it. Yeah, because he goes, never mind the dynamite. Let's have sex. It doesn't make any sense in the real world. So now they're all in the tent having sex, and something horrible is going to happen. Uh, one loses interest. Right. One of them loses interest, and Spoonie fishes, finishes way too quick. And that turns off the other one. So it's a bad weekend. Hey, you're in luck. I can't find Population One on YouTube. Too bad. I, I, did, I did see it listed in IMDb. Oh, when I, when I was you, see you see what happened? Oh, no. Rock. 
it rolled over the tent and mushed them all. They spent money on this, man. They spent money on this. I can't, I don't understand this guy's luck. He cuts a wire and a guy gets electrocuted, right? He, he sets up a car so when you, when you turn the ignition, it explodes. He made or a boulder. He knew exactly where they were going to pitch their tent and he found the right boulder to put a bomb under. What a coincidence they pitched their tent underneath that. And it perfectly landed. Okay, so here he is making more explosives and stuff. And who should show up? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I jumped ahead to Act 3. It's just more oh. stupid stuff. It's more like, we could rule the school. I know you're the killer. We could rule the school, David. It's more of that stupid stuff. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, what else can I tell you about this film? I don't know. I think uh, I got a sense of it. We're just waiting for Act 3, right? This influenced Heathers. You know that film, Heathers. Oh, right, because he blows up people. Here's a good one. The Italian version of this film was called Sexy Jeans, and it was edited 